From the movie house to your widescreen at home, Radio 111's Going to the Cinema and the streaming services on Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So grab your popcorn and beverage of choice and step into our screening room for our weekly forum on film. Now, here's Brian. Hello, welcome back. And I'm going to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. I saw Ghostbusters, you know, again, I could do the cheesy line, you know, who are going to call Ghostbusters? You know, that's such a cheesy line. I'm not going to do it, but I did it. So see, I'm self-aware there. So welcome back to the I, uh, to the Radio 111 screening room. I, I'm super excited about this week because I think I've enjoyed myself this week more than other weeks in terms of the movies. We're going to talk about King Richard. We're also going to talk about some movie news relating to the Spider-Man trailer because, well, we have to talk about it because it came out and it's the most highly anticipated trailer of for a long time. I'm not even going to say for the year. I think for decades so far because, boy... Just just the fact that they had to make a whole event for the trailer and everybody's getting tickets for it and everybody was driving themselves crazy about this trailer. We'll talk about that soon enough because there's so much to say. And then, of course, we'll give you some updates about the situation with Rust because there is some updates about it. I'm not going to get too much into it. And then I'm going to give a proper review towards Antlers. And then one final thing, I do have some... Um, uh, housekeeping regarding the show towards the end of the program so stay tuned for the final segment if you want to know more about any upcoming updates that are happening after thanksgiving because next week is thanksgiving there'll be no new episode next week but keep an eye but um just keep an ear out for a couple things but without further ado we're going to talk about ghostbusters afterlife now ghostbusters afterlife can be described as ghostbusters 3 the next next generation because it follows um for the most part it follows the lives of three people it is about this single mother who who's raising two kids and she inherits a house from her father who turned out to be an original ghostbuster now that's not a spoiler that's in the trailer you've seen the trailer you know what's going to happen and more or less that's how and i'm going to be honest with you it actually makes a lot of sense um, I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but you know, when you watch the movie, you'll know which Ghostbuster it is. And so the film mostly deals with this young girl named Phoebe, who is the uh, youngest of the th- of the two children. I think it's the, the daughter. She's obsessed with science. She is um, presumably a very different, socially awkward girl. I've heard some discourse about her being portrayed as a autistic child, but. I don't know. I'm not autistic myself, but I've heard some discourse, so take that with a grain of salt. So, you know, if you're somebody that's curious about representation, I think I, I think the fact that so many people are claiming her this early on in the film's release is a pretty good sign. So, there you go. Um, she's socially awkward. She's loves science, and again, she figures out that her grandfather is was presumably a ghostbuster and then all hell breaks loose let's say let's just say that things like in these ghostbusters movies 
usually involve ghosts and stuff going wrong. And I'll leave it at that in terms of the plot summary because I'm going to be honest with you, it's one of those movies that is not a standalone film by any means. This is definitely a sequel sequel or a legacy sequel, meaning that it is a sequel that relies on your knowledge and love of the original for it to exist or for it to be validated. I personally had no problem with the 2016 Ghostbusters remake. Um, I The reason why I bring it up is because some people have speculated that Afterlife was sort of like a response to Ghostbusters, the 2016 version, which I think makes sense. I, I can see why there can be this discourse about it being a response because the director of this movie, Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, the director of the first two Ghostbusters movies, you know, he said in an interview, this is meant to be the film that we give back to the fans. And he said this right after the box office failure or at least not exactly around the time but you know close to the time that the original that the Ghostbusters reboot with Melissa McCarthy failed at the box office and I had no problem with it the reason why I'm bringing this up is that it certainly does feel like a blanks a a clean slate now it feels like they're cle- cleaning the slate for the fans like it's a it's a new fresh coat of paint on the car you know the ghostbusters brand needs this fresh coat of paint and i think it it makes sense because when i watched the film i at first was like i was excited for a new ghostbusters movie just because i think that this franchise has a lot of things that could go right i used to call ghostbusters and home alone those franchises what i like to call the one time is enough and I don't think any sequels should have happened sort of thing. And I rewatched Ghostbusters 1, and it is lightning in a bottle. It is a really great movie. Certainly, I have my criticisms about it. I do think that it's super pro-business ideas haven't aged very well. I think that some of it's, like, economics. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to put it, but, like, I've seen some really good essays about the Reagan-esque politics of the original Ghostbusters and I can tell you that yeah I can see why some people had issues with this not to say anyone was offended but you know of course it's a 1980s movie reflecting on the 80s and the Reagan and the Reagan era and of course it's going to be dated on some ways like there might be a discourse about whether or not the pro-business element really does pan out as easily as the film makes it out to be but it's a great comedy and it's a hilarious movie and 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 honestly i think it has a lot of heart to it surprisingly ghostbusters afterlife has i'm not gonna say way more heart it feels more sentimental but it's less comedic i wouldn't even call it a comedy at this point because to be honest with you it feels way more like an action movie with a lot of with comedy here and there That's what I think is weird about modern day movies is that there's so much comedy in modern day movies that it's very hard to tell when a film is a dramatic comedy. I don't know, because the original Ghostbusters had scary moments in it like it genuinely did. It had like some really creepy moments like the first scene of the film is genuinely creepy, like I said, and then it has all these really brilliant outlandish comedic moments. 
but not so much Ghostbusters Afterlife. Afterlife is a little bit more sentimental, and that's that's fine for what it wants to be. It wants to be like a tribute film towards Harold Ramis, because Harold Ramis passed away, and so for years we've Harold Ramis has tried to push for Ghostbusters three. But one cast member, I think Bill Murray in particular, was not keen on the film. And so when this film finally came out, Ghostbusters Afterlife finally came out, it is a it is a tribute film. So it it's going to get some, how do I put it? It's going to get some tears. I'm not going to say what they did or what they didn't do, but it is certainly a tribute film towards Harold Ramis. And it is certainly a film that pays respect a uh, to its original cast members and it also feels kind of like a passing of the baton because of the fact that these younger kids are the focus instead of the older cast and I mean it's no secret that some of them are going to appear in the film I'm not going to say which ones but I'm not going to say if all three of them are going to be in it but you have a few people from the original show up here and there and that's not a secret that's pretty common knowledge just to let you know but it is one of those things where I can't say much because it is a fan service movie. If you're not a fan of the original Ghostbusters film or you haven't seen it in like a while, I do recommend that a if you're not a fan of Ghostbusters, you don't have to see this. Like I'm not, I, I know the idea is to push you to go to see movies, but you won't benefit from it. This is certainly a Ghostbusters movie for Ghostbusters fans, and if you haven't seen the original film in a while, um, please rewatch it because you should rewatch it. And if you've never seen it, why haven't you seen it? Why are you listening to the show and you haven't seen it? I'm just kidding, but go and watch it. And I think that if you haven't seen it in a while or you haven't seen it, you you owe it to yourself to see it because there are certain parts of this movie that are fan service and requires a bit of knowledge of the original film because it is like that. It it is sort of like that film that a lot of its dramatic moments rely on you being a fan so the idea that these they're not just like fan moments but they're sentimental like really the dramatic heart of the film relies on your love of the original film so i don't is that a flaw i certainly don't think it's as big of a flaw as some critics are making it out to be like i don't think it's a inherently lesser film because it relies on your love of the original because that's what it's intending to do i just don't think that it really potentially becomes a great movie it is a i say it's a good movie it's certainly like a three out of four star movie like it's not it's not three and a half it's not four star movie it's a three solid three out of four like if you did a number scale of 10 it'd be a solid seven or eight that's how solid it is it's it's a movie that relies on that and i also think that there are some parts of it that i feel like the recycling or the sort of homage part of it doesn't really work as well and also i think that the first 20 or so minutes of this movie i to credit another film critic grace randolph i saw her review of this and she was pretty on point about um the first 20 minutes not being that great and i saw it and i'm like okay she was right about this she was pretty right about this and the first 20 minutes or so are just not how do i put it this way they're just not that good and i know that the first 
Um, the first 20 minutes, they were trying to prep for it, but it did feel like, you know, that I, I, I just didn't, I wasn't sure what was going on. And it just didn't have this. I think the very beginning, the very beginning before the um, titles, that was exciting. So I, I just want to say the exposition part wasn't that great. But other than that, it was a solid, fun movie. I thought I had a lot of fun with it. I do want to comment on one thing that I was in a movie theater, and I can tell you that I I can tell you this, but it is really difficult to watch this in a movie theater with people who had never seen the original Ghostbusters movie because their reactions were pretty loud. I was in a movie theater where people were so loud and so obnoxious, and they were texting. So I do want to say this. like Ghostbusters Afterlife is a great movie, but, you know, I have a feeling that some people are going to complain about the audiences in the movie because I've heard some stories about about like younger individuals or just individuals who are not Ghostbusters fans showing up and sort of messing up the screening for fans. And, you know, I'm going to say this. If you are not a Ghostbusters fan, you have no reason to watch this movie because it's not made for you. And that sounds kind of harsh, but it does rely on not love. And I saw firsthand some people's reactions to this movie, and they were not fans of the original. And I can tell you that they were not enjoying themselves. You know, if they were texting during the movie, first of all, that's rude to do, especially in the movie theater. But I can tell they weren't interested. So Ghostbusters Afterlife certainly is a fan service movie. It's a nice, clean slate for the series, and I think it's a solid fun ghost adventure movie i hope that if they make a sequel that things are more ambitious and take more risks but otherwise i had fun so definitely a three out of four star recommended mostly for fans not so much for non-fans hey stay tuned we have more to talk about he's been touched by an angel or two you know roger ebert gene siskel Maybe even Gene Shalit. Here is Brian Mendoza talking cinema on Radio 111's Flicks and Picks. You know, sometimes we like to say that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not real cinema, but then they dominate the conversation whenever we talk about movies. So I like to dispute that they are real cinema, and I don't like to, honestly, I don't like to have that argument about what is real cinema, what isn't cinema. Like, come on, I don't like to define that. Like, what are we, a 1930s, like, executive producer? What are we, Daryl Zanuck? Like, Harvey Weinstein? Like, no thank you. I'm not going to be an executive producer who, a studio head who controls what movies should be made. No, thank you. I don't do that. But in general, like, I've always had this, like, conversation about, um, Marvel really has had this grip on the movies for a while. They have continuously been the most successful movies of the last couple of years. And I think it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to say this, but I think it's a lot of hard work. The fact that they have made over 20 something films and build up to this like giant universe, like the cinematic universe. That is brilliant. This is like one of the first cinematic universes to really be this huge, this all-encompassing i really think it's wonderful so for me the i'm not i wasn't surprised by the anticipation of spider-man no way homes trailer which by the way if you didn't know the trailer itself was such premiere was such a big event 
it premiered at a fan event on November 16th, which was this last Tuesday. So if you're listening to this episode a little bit later, like on podcasts or anything like that, you would know that Tuesday, November uh, 16th, I'm checking my dates right here. Um, they had a big, po- they had a poster for everything. They had a trailer launch fan event with quote unquote big surprises, which they weren't really surprises. The The fact that the fans speculated so much information about it and scoops are everywhere. Trust me. If you don't know, there's, there are people out there who have given away essentially the plot of the film online and it's by the fact that there are leaks out there. So Hollywood has had a lot of problems with leaks, but this film and Doctor Strange, um, the next Doctor Strange film that's coming up in a couple months, well, more than a couple months, but still, those two films have been the subject of leaks. People have set, spread rumors, have con- and these leaks, for the most part, have not been wrong. In fact, pe- for the most part, they've been fairly correct so i'm i'm not i'm that's why i'm telling you to avoid leaks and scoopers sometimes because i feel like if you want to be surprised by the film the leaks again are not entirely wrong and they do hint at things that may or may not happen in the film so again be cautious of these things but onto the trailer you know the trailer itself just I think it's a great trailer. I think that was a trailer that certainly made me excited for the film. I know they're going to release one more trailer, and I'm wondering what else are they going to throw into this trailer because there have been discussions about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming back to the Spider-Man film, and both of them, well, Andrew Garfield, not so much Tobey Maguire, but Andrew Garfield has, for the most part, denied being in the film and I'm not saying that he is or isn't because I'm I want to believe that he is and I think he most likely is but I'm also a little worried because I don't want to disappoint myself because I want the film to work on its own merits rather than my whole oh is Toby and Andrew going to show up sort of thing but for the most part this trailer was impressive because they were able to really not only capture nostalgia but they were also it was also like really just dynamic it looked like an actual movie with a lot of like great stuff going on i think the one shot that i was really impressed by was this one shot of spider-man falling down onto new york city and it's like an upside down version of new york city and they have the green goblin's voice who is willem dafoe his voice is right there and it's actually like a really just a spectacular trailer personally for me i was not surprised by some of the developments like i knew that willem dafoe's version of the green goblin was going to be there it was great seeing some of the costume redesigns for some of these characters especially considering that the last time i saw jamie fox play electro it was such a ridiculous blue costume that it was nice to see him actually be in a comics accurate but still you know cinematically good looking costume so i'm i'm glad and also i gotta say that seeing all these old villains again it was it was nice it's nice to see all these old villains again and being able to actually see them fight against tom holland spider-man considering that tom holland spider-man villains have not been great except jake gyllenhaal's uh, mysterio has been was pretty great it's 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 gonna be interesting watching him fight against these really brutal villains because people forget that the original spider-man villains from sam raimi's movies there's a reason why he directed horror films before 
he actually knows how to make villains scary. Like the Green Goblin and Doctor Octa- uh, Doctor Otto Octavius, they're both great villains. So to see um, Tom Holland fight against them, that is something. I'm really excited for this film now that the trailer has come out. I'm actually really hyped for it, and I think that the fan theories are starting to show that they may or may not be correct. But I like seeing this complexity behind Spider-Man. Like I like seeing Tom Holland tackle more complex stories of Spider-Man. So that's what I'm excited about. So overall, if you haven't seen the trailer, that's it's on YouTube again. I'm sure you have seen it, but those are my thoughts. I think it's a great trailer. Um, I have so much more to say, but honestly, I'm gonna leave it at that because I can fanboy and say, oh my God, I'm so glad Willem Dafoe and Efren Molina are back. So yay, you know, but I just think it's a great trailer and I'm excited to see the possibilities of how Tom Holland's going to be able to handle this. So again, stay tuned for more. If you love motion pictures, you've made it to the screening room on time. Radio 111 presents Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So King Richard has finally made its debut on on cinemas and also on HBO Max. So again, you have options this Thanksgiving, well, this weekend and Thanksgiving weekend about how you're going to watch that film. I certainly would love for you to support this film in the big screen if you don't have HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, it works either way because I think it's a great movie. I actually really enjoyed um, King Richard and I'll get into it in a little bit. But King Richard, for the most part, is a the movie, uh, bio, it's a biopic about the life of Richard Williams, a a co- uh, tennis coach. Uh, he's a tennis coach and the father to Vanessa, uh, Venus. I was going to say Vanessa. Who's Vanessa? Uh, Venus and Serena Williams, two of the greatest tennis players of all time. And the film documents his success and his struggles as a father and as a coach to these two girls. The fact that he has to play that role of being able to show that being a coach does not mean he has to stop being a father and being a father does not mean he has to stop being a coach. And it's it's one of those inspirational biopic movies that certainly certainly does not f- deserve like some of the critiques that it's been getting that's been a little unfair that it's cheesy or that Will Smith can't handle the role but n- you know what Will Smith's performance as Richard Williams is fantastic and he is the front runner for best actor at the Academy Awards this year and I am not surprised he deserves it. He is the one actor this year has who has really given a great performance in this film. And I am not going to be surprised if he wins the Academy Award. I'm also not going to be surprised if he gets nominated. I think for the most part, he is guaranteed a nomination. I don't know about any upcoming performances, but for the most part, it's going to be a, th- a competition between him and, from my understanding, Andrew Garfield in TikTok Boom. I haven't seen TikTok Boom. I'm going to be reviewing that uh, pretty soon, so keep an eye out for the review of that one, along with other reviews I'm going to be doing. But the film King Richard and TikTok Boom are sort of neck and neck 
they came out pretty they came out yesterday on the streaming services and so it's going to be a competition between will smith for king richard and andrew garfield for um tiktok boom so far for best actor but again we i don't know because um well i haven't seen first of all i haven't seen tiktok boom but also because like the oscar season's still pretty young when it comes to the movies it's still pretty young like you wait until december when a lot of them start coming out or when january hits and a lot of them start to come out on bigger release you know unlimited release so wider release wide release i mean my bad so i am excited to see how it goes but for the most part i am not surprised king richard is going to be the film that probably will get Will Smith his Academy Award because he's fantastic in this movie. He is he is able to really capture Richard Williams's voice. Now I've heard some critiques that have been pretty pretty good. They good faith critiques about whether or not it's really right for um, Will Smith to play this role because of colorism. Because he you know of course Will Smith is a lighter skin black individual playing a darker skin black person in the film. Now, there are some critiques that I think those are valid. I've heard some really good critiques, and I think that's a really valid critique. I can't say anything about it. I, I like to address these critiques, but I can't say anything about it. But, you know, if anybody wants to cast out, he does do a really great job in the movie. He is really great, and I think that the it's one of those things where, again, we have to acknowledge that would the film have been made without Will Smith? I don't know, and I'd like to believe that maybe... Will Smith did the best he could under the circumstances that he was given. It was great. Still, it was a great performance. And I think that, you know, some of these critiques are valid like that one. But I've heard some really bad criticisms about the film already, which is, can he pull it off? And it's weird because Will Smith has certainly proven over the years that he can pull off these types of performances. The Pursuit of Happiness proved that he can do it. Um, I mean, I've seen episodes of the fresh prince of bel-air where he really could pull off dramatic performances and he is marvelous and i gotta say the whole film itself is just so inspiring like you watch it and you're just like rooting for serena and venus uh, uh venus williams to really succeed in particular venus williams because she is the first one of her family to you know make it to the uh, make it to the tennis tournaments. I love the fact that the film itself does not try to like sugarcoat her experiences, that it actually shows how rough it is for a black girl to succeed. And I do appreciate the fact that the film itself acknowledges that Richard Williams had to go out of his way to be unlikable, quote unquote, in order for people to listen to him. Because I've seen some like discourse about Richard Williams being like the worst person in tennis, which is absolutely ridiculous because I think a lot of them stems from racism. And I'm glad the film acknowledged the racism that comes with sports that are predominantly played by like white individuals. So I do think that it's great that the film addresses that but i also think that it's really sad that in real life richard williams is a legitimately good dad and he is you know a flawed dad for sure like he definitely had some flaws and he definitely should have raised his kids his other kids you know because he had some other kids like sabrina williams and all that he certainly could have helped raise those kids along with venus and serena 
and his marriage was not always perfect but I like that about the film that it showed these moments where Richard Williams' flaws are displayed and they're not the focus of the film but I love the fact that the film acknowledges that Richard Williams as a person is flawed that he is capable of making mistakes that he is unworkable he is very difficult but I also like the fact that the film acknowledges that he wasn't wrong in a lot of his methods because a lot of his methods you know he did it to avoid a lot of problems like he was worried that his daughters would become burnt out and stressed so he wanted to make sure his daughters can enjoy enjoy their childhood which is valid and I know a lot of like people you know in real life have had their things to say about Richard Williams but this film I think doesn't romanticize him by any means I think it does a good job of showing him as a complex human being and I'm glad that it did I'm also very glad that the film also showed um, Arance Price as um, their mother as a really competent and hard-working woman that she's excellent in her own right I love the fact that they have this one scene where her and Serena are training together and it just shows that it was both of these parents who really sacrificed a lot of themselves. And I love this scene where um, Anjoue Ellis, I might be wrong on uh, the first name, so please forgive me, that she really does capture this moment that's really powerful where she tells Richard all about her concerns and her problems. And it's towards the middle point of the movie, and it's great. And I'm so happy that I saw that. And I think that this film really does a good job of showing, showcasing like the different advertisements that black athletes face, you know, not only within their own community, but also like outside. I like the fact that there are scenes in the film where the characters don't just face opposition from like racists, which is pretty, you know, that was going to happen, you know, obviously, because tennis is a w mostly white um, played sport. So mostly white people play that sport. So to see the film address how the black community in a lot of ways has been hurt by racism that they can hurt themselves it's 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 great it's great to see this complex view of how the black community handles its own successes and all that their their own success and all that and it's it's i think it's wonderful i think this movie does a really good job of showcasing a lot of problems within the family of the Williamses, but also it showcases their successes and their love for each other. It's a very nuanced movie. And I feel like some people may not get the nuance. I think a lot of them are going to say like, Oh, well this scene right here shows Richard getting beat up by a group of gangsters. They were worse than the races, which is not true by any means. Trust me. If you watch the film, you'd know. But I think that, I think this is a film that certainly tackles the issues of being a black person in sports so effectively and so wonderfully. And I love the fact that Richard is such a flawed person and well-written the way it is. Because I've seen movies like The Blind Side where they just sugarcoat the experiences of being a black athlete, especially considering how made up and fantasy-like that movie is. Have you seen The Blind Side lately? It really is like a fantasy movie at this point because it's how ridiculously over the top it's done. And I think that it's great that King Richard is counter-programming. If you want to see an actual movie about a black about a parent raising a black child to becoming a great person this is the movie to watch not the blind side because the blind side not only does it have unfortunate implications but it lies about the black community's involvement in that one character's 
um, in Michael's like development. So it's great to see a movie like King Richard actually celebrate the black community, but also celebrate like black fatherhood, black motherhood. It's just a great movie in general. So I definitely recommend it. It's a definitely a four star movie coming from me because I, I just think that there's just so much good in it. Like Will Smith is amazing. The whole cast is amazing. Uh, uh, Sani Yeya, Sydney, who plays Venus Williams, she's certainly going to get, I would love for her to get an Oscar nomination too. There's some Oscar potential in this movie, and I really am excited to see where it's going to go. I know, again, Oscars, in hindsight, you can they don't always pick the best movies, but I'm hoping that King Richard at least gets some nominations for as many as it can, especially considering how good it is. It's a really good movie, and I think that it certainly benefits from it. And just to address one other critique that people have been having about this movie, about the centering of King of Richard Williams as opposed to Venus and Serena. Now, I'm I, look, I'm going to be honest. I did at first think, why would their father be the center of their story? Because there is some implications that one can make. But you know what? It actually works in this case. Because like, I like the fact that Serena and Venus still have their successes, that they're still shown as being able to carry their own success. But that I, I think that in hindsight, just telling Richard's story is actually like really sweet because sometimes we forget that it's not just the people who succeed, but it's also like all the sacrifices others make for them. Like people forget that like sometimes there's an immigrant parent that came down here and gate and their story doesn't get told, you know? So it's actually really powerful that care people like Richard Williams get to have their story told so they're not forgotten because there's plenty of times where Serena and Venus can get their stories told. There's going to be a couple more movies, you know. I, I predict that in the next 50 or 60 years, there's going to be plenty of movies about Serena and Venus Williams. And it's great to see that one of the first biopics about their lives is going to be about their father. So I think there's a complexity there. I think it's great for how it depicts uh, black excellence, black girl excellence. But I also love the fact that it shows that it's not just about the people who are famous, but the people behind the scenes who really do work hard. So it's a great movie that I think celebrates a lot of different things. And it's just such a good time. So I definitely recommend King Richard. Excellent performances. It's a celebration of black excellence. It's a wonderful movie. So definitely recommend watching it. It's great. And Will Smith, if anything is going to get an Oscar nomination. If not, he's going to win. If it isn't just a nomination, he's going to win. At this point, I can say that he is the close. He's probably going to win. But who knows? Who knows if Andrew Garfield will uh, go through? We'll have to watch that movie next week. But hey, stay tuned. We still got one more segment here. And four stars to King Richard, by the way. <laughs> Big screen blockbuster, little screen stream, festival favorites, award show nominees, winners, and the occasional pan. This is Flicks and Picks on Radio 111. Here's Brian Mendoza. So a couple weeks ago, I had talked about Antlers very briefly towards the end of a program, and I recently watched it, not because I had any special affinity for it, but because honestly, I just wanted to see 
the film again because um, somebody wanted to see it with me. So I was like, okay, well, we can watch it. So I had to kind of work up myself into watching it again. And I finally saw it and I realized that it wasn't as like, I should have not been as dismissive as I was of it. So I will say that Antlers, for the most part, is a movie about a young boy who is this really quiet, shy boy, and his, let's just say that his family is going through a lot. Uh, There is this sort of curse that has hit his family, and the film follows him, him and his teacher. His teacher, for the most part, wants to figure out what's going to happen, but I, there's a good chance that his father may or may not be possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo. Now, the Wendigo story is a very classic indigenous mytho- uh, mythological creature. And I will be honest with you, it's. I think that the story itself could have been could have been much better if it just was able to develop those themes about indigenous culture pretty well. I mean... Again, this is going to sound really problematic, but I think that the narrative of the Wendigo makes way more sense when you have indigenous lead characters as opposed to, like, white or any other race characters. Like, in this case, you have, like, a white character who's, for the most part, who's the lead. And I don't really think that having indigenous culture, like, their creatures in there, it makes, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I've seen a lot of, like, indigenous made short films that feature wendigos and they're always so compassionate and thoughtful about how to write a wendigo because the wendigo for the most part is a very angry creature but there is an understandable anger to it and so when you see those films or those short stories like the louise eldridge poem tackle the wendigo situation it is a very complex um thing but and I say this with a grain of salt, it, the movie itself, for what it is, it looks really good. It's, like, beautifully shot. There's a lot of, like, its atmosphere is beautiful to look at. I think that it is a very nice movie to look at. But for the most part, I think that the story is fine. I do think that I would love to have had this film be taking place from an indigenous standpoint, like from a point of view of indigenous people, because having white lead characters in the story kind of makes the Wendigo seem almost like a, a afterthought. How do I, I don't know, because like when I was watching the film, I was like, this monster could have easily have been a wolf. This monster could have been a vampire. It didn't have to be a Wendigo. That's the thing is that I, I the film didn't exactly convince me about the Wendigo aspect to it, especially considering that the film itself tries to tie into an indigenous culture and all that, but it doesn't really work. So I do think it's a very nice movie to look at. And I think that the performances are good, especially Carrie Russell. And there's this little boy who's in it. Um, Jeremy T Thomas. He's good in it. He's a good actor. Um, Jesse Plemons does a good job too. Oh, and Graham green. Now he is the one indigenous actor who plays an indigenous character in this film. He is wonderful, and I always thought that he was such a wonderful actor. I saw him in Dances with Wolves pretty recently, which wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It was actually a good movie. It was actually a great movie, to be put. To be honest with you, a little problematic, but great. But I love seeing him in the movies, and I love seeing him come back for this role. I just love seeing like certain actors 
in movies because I feel like they deserve better. Like Graham Greene should have gotten morally roles growing uh, in his career, but unfortunately, that's Hollywood for you. But certainly, I would say it's a it's two and a half stars. It's a nice looking movie. Certainly got some good performances in it. The atmosphere is nice, but overall, I think that without an indigenous lead, some of the themes feel really underdeveloped, and some of the ideas feel kind of like ununique. So there's no new reason to have like the monster be the monsters that it is. But real quick, I got some housekeeping. Um, next week, there's no episode of Flicks and Picks because it's Thanksgiving weekend. So please enjoy yourselves. Please have a safe and very careful thanksgiving and by the way when you go to the movies if you go to the movies during thanksgiving please be kind and courteous to your other uh to your audience members i've been in too many movie theaters this entire uh, pandemic and people are not respecting please put your phone away and do that and i'm saying this as a psa because trust me you're going to be in more crowded uh, movie theaters are going to get more crowded and you're going to get told some things if you don't i was in a movie theater la- a couple uh, la- this week and um this woman got really mad and i was and she had every right to get mad at these teenagers for ruining the film experience but you know, again, stay tuned. Um, please follow Radio 111's um, social media handles on Facebook, um, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, it's Radio 111. Um, follow them for any. We have some announcements and updates coming up about our programming. And Flicks and Picks is not going anywhere, but we are experiencing some changes and some things. So we have some on demand podcasts that are coming up. So please go there for the upcoming thanksgiving weekend updates about programming because trust me there's a lot that's going to be changing so stay tuned if you're listening to this in podcasts you don't just continue listening and thank you so much for uh uh, thank you so much for listening to me but we're not going anywhere just stay tuned for any updates and announcements next week and have a happy thanksgiving